Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Phil, it's great to see you. I feel I have to start by asking you this. People will be annoyed if I don't. So be honest now, exactly how much have you missed me? (laughs) <laughs> a huge amount obviously yeah it's uh, it's only i don't know how it says it felt like a short break or a long break it seems like it was only two minutes ago really we were sat here talking about Ronnie o'sullivan winning the world championship but uh yeah no it's uh it was good to have a little time off but we're back now and uh snooker's not really had a break has it i mean there's been there's been plenty of action on the table since the crucible so we've got plenty to talk about yeah i like the way i've sort of created the illusion that we've been some kind of distant no, yeah, I think we, you know, <laughs> not sure there's a day where we haven't swapped some messages, but I, I did mean to have a bit more, bit more distance for a while from the whole uh, snooker business. But you're right, so much has happened. There's so much organisation organically with this pod, and of course, we made an appearance on another pod, haven't we? Let's say, let's not say too much, but a comedy pod, no less. I mean, we're not comedians, are we? But it's nice, you know. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see how that comes down. People can judge whether they're comedians or not, but probably not. Uh, no, but that was fun. Yeah, uh, that's a little tease. More of that, more of that to come in. Uh, I'm not sure when, but in the future. Indeed, sometime later this year, definitely. But no, it, it, as I say, it, it's smashing to see you. I think we've had nearly four weeks away. Uh, certainly, a, a, a real come down I found from the World Championship this time. It was such an intense one. I thought such a memorable one, and there is a bit of sadness. You know, I think as well, genuinely, I mean, we'll talk about the seniors in a moment. That's a nice sort of um, way of sort of gently coming down. But because it's sort of snooker morning, noon, the night, I think you just miss it when it's not there for those. You think, oh, God, that you know, it, you know, it's a proper boom and bust thing. You think it's just so enjoyable to luxuriate in day after day of, of, the, of the sport that we sort of follow so intensely and love so much. And then you're sort of clicking on the, the telly and it's, oh, it's homes under the hammer and, you know, <laughs> You know, you know, neighbours and home and away or whatever. You know, it's nice. It's, it's, 
Not the same, Phil. Yeah, I, I find that even during the World Championship, you're so used to it all the time. And then when you have those sort of mornings off, you're just like, hang on a sec, where's my morning come? <laughs> and then suddenly, then it's all gone. So, yeah, um, it is strange. It's long enough to really get, the World Championship is long enough to really get used to it being on all the time. So, yeah, when it's, when the rug's, pulled out from India, then you are left with yeah, a sort of an empty feeling. But um, yeah, as I say, there's been plenty of live scores to follow, even if there hasn't been much to watch, uh, much action to watch itself. Indeed. And um, well, we're, I think we're hopefully going to prove here now that there's been plenty going on because we really have, you know, pretty full agenda, including uh, plenty on Q School uh, to come uh, later. But maybe let's dot the uh, I's and cross the T's on the, on the season that was. Uh, 21-22 and we did see the world seniors didn't we which gave us victory for Lee Walker uh, who beat Jimmy White uh, 5-4 in the final uh, Walker 4-2 down in that final came back to win and he, he beat a real who's who of players to win it actually, <laughs> from yesteryear Tony Knowles Stephen Hendry Ken Doherty David Lilly and as I say Jimmy White in the final um, I think it's nice when the seniors win it's very clearly the finest hour for somebody and you know, in some ways, a, a distinguished career, career for Walker. We always say, if you make it to, you know, a certain level in, in a sport, you've done very well. But, of course, you know, to win that trophy and at the Crucible, you know, there was no disguising it. That meant the world to him, didn't it? Yeah, it was a lovely moment with his son out there uh, on the sport's greatest stage. And, uh, yeah, he was loving it and thoroughly deserved. He played brilliantly right from the off. Was it against Hendry or against Knowles? He made a great century early on. And we didn't see too many centuries in that tournament, to be fair. Um, but yeah, he played brilliantly, and uh, it was really nice for him. Uh, we haven't seen, we don't see him winning too many matches nowadays on the main tour, but he obviously is very influential in Mark Williams' career, uh, and he gets rave reviews as a coach. But yeah, to see him, uh, as you say, pull off his finest hour, it was, it was nice to see. And uh, yeah, credit to Jimmy as well. He always seems to turn it on in the seniors and gets the final. He either seems to win or lose in the final most of the time, so it come very close again, but. Yet another gracious losing speech from Jimmy White. But yeah, well played to him as well. Yeah, definitely. And of course, Jimmy turned uh, 60, didn't he, during the World mm. Championship? In fact, we, we had a very nice cake was doing the rounds, wasn't yeah. it? You know, a, a specially designed cake for Jimmy. And I like the way he's, you know, putting on social media that I'm up for the new season, as if he's still 20. I love it from Jimmy. The enthusiasm is tremendous. And he said he's seen enough, of it, enough in his game there to give him... Confidence. I think he did say that those two games were a bit much for him yeah. on the last um, day, and you know, obviously went the final, went the distance. So I think he probably did fall away in a just in a sort of you know physically feeling very tired way. But you know, I didn't quite get into it as much as other world seniors actually. But um, yes, still enjoyed what I saw, and certainly saw you know an awful lot of that final. Just to run through the results from the last eight to you know fill you in a, a little bit more detail. Uh, David Lilly beat Michael Holt 4-2. It was Lee Walker 4, Ken Doherty 2. Peter Lines 4, Nigel Bond 1. And Jimmy White 4, Rory McLeod 1. And the semi-finals, Lee Walker 4, David Lilly 3. That's a really good match, of course. David Lilly, um, of course, fresh off his own seniors win. And uh, was he the defending champion, Lilly? Was that last year? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jimmy White 4, Peter Lines nil and then as I say in the final Lee Walker five Jimmy White four <clears throat> we just spoke a bit off there actually and I, I, you know it sounds a bit mean because the guy's just won it but 
I continue to have slight misgivings about the age of this event, and I do wonder whether 50 or over will be better. I mean, may, maybe it's a bit un, un, unlucky on the seniors that it's looking, you know, a bit more, not disingenuous, but that's not quite the right word, but it's looking a bit more in your face with that because the, so many players in their 40s are doing brilliantly on the main the main tour. And it, I think he's a couple of months older than Ronnie O'Sullivan, Lee Walker. I sort of think, okay, it wouldn't look so bad if players were in their 20s winning the World Championship, so it's a bit unlucky in that sense. But I just think, in a sport like snooker, where you know you can go on for a long time, I, I personally, I think, would look at 50 as the cutoff. I have to say, not, not going to lose sleep over it. It's not, not a big deal. I'm not going to campaign for it or anything. But um, that's kind of... I think that's, I think that's still my thinking. Yeah, I think, I think that's... Like this would have forty would have made sense at one stage when, like you say, when so many top players weren't in their forties. But I suppose the point of the seniors really is for people who are at an age where the age means they can't really compete. And yeah, that sort of is made a bit of a mockery of if a lot of the top players are better that are older than uh, than the guys in the seniors. And the class of ninety two sort of skew that obviously as they do with a lot of things. But it's not just those guys, you know, yeah. Hawkins and Bingham. You know, Selby's 40 now, isn't he? Or is he? No, he's not quite. And Robertson's turned 40, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's not just those guys. It's just the whole it's the whole sport, really. So, yeah, I think I would also say 50 would be my uh, would be my cut-off point. But, yeah, it just, it just sounded a bit mean, not trying to take anything away from Lee Walker at all. He played very well. But, um, yeah, I think I agree. You want it to be an age where people aren't competing on the main tour. But then, you know, in a few years' time, if Ronnie and Mark and John are still winning things at the top in their 50s, then we might have to look at that again. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think I'd make it 50. But we uh, congratulate the team behind the World Seniors. Uh, it, um, it did seem a bit thin on the ground, crowds this time, but they built up. But um, I think, to be honest, we've seen that a little bit across the board, actually, in, in sport. In, in, in sort of Even in recent weeks and months, I'm noticing a few crowds here there, and everywhere, a little bit down on the normal numbers. And I think we can probably put that down a lot to the economy, frankly. Mm. But um, but congratulations to Lee Walker for winning uh, the World Seniors. And uh, that really did um, sort of end the season that was a memorable one, the campaign of 21-22. And the World Snooker Tour Awards were announced as well for the season. And these were, were the, uh, the results and the winners of the awards. The WST Player of the Year was Neil Robertson. Fans Player of the Year, Xiao Xing Tong. Snooker Journalist Player of the Year, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Performance of the Year, Ronnie O'Sullivan. Rookie of the Year, Wu Yisa. Magic Moment of the Year, Neil Robertson. And the Hall of Fame, Rhianne Evans and Alison Fisher. You know, can't really add much to that apart from... You know, you have to sort of generally agree with with all with all those decisions. I mean, I voted for Ronnie. We said that before, didn't we, on our episode after the World Championship? But it was a way for thin decision between him and Robertson. I wasn't, you know, delighted when I was making my vote because I was thinking, God, Robertson was so consistent across the season. Am I waiting the World Championship too much? But there's the world number one thing I thought, and in fact, it's not just any world title; it's a truly historic one. Many are christening him the greatest now. He, you know a kind of rubber stamping of that. And that's certainly the way I wrote it. I already thought what he was, but I think we all wrote it. Most of us in the media wrote it as a kind of rubber stamping. So all those things combined, I went for Ronnie, but listen, it's close. And, 
you know, Robertson was a, a very deserving winner of the WST Player of the Year. And yeah, and recognition for Wu Yizu, we talked about a lot on here, Phil, getting Rookie of the Year. But generally, you know, no complaints. Good to see fans getting on board with Zhao Zingtong. He's such a popular guy, isn't he? With, with those, you know, brilliant, brilliant victories, tournament wins for him. And just what a sort of a exciting guy. And, you know, makes you feel good when he's around, isn't he, Zhao Zingtong? Even for us guys in the press, he's always not making us laugh, but he's a proper charmer. He is, yeah, he's got a lot of charisma. And that, that is nice to see because you would sort of assume Ronnie Sullivan would win fans player of the year even if he hasn't done very much, but he certainly had a good argument to win it this year. So it's good that Zhao's got a lot of supporters around. I know we were talking to a lady from the Chinese media at the, the party after World Championships, and she was saying how, how popular he is uh, back at home. Um, you know, he's if you follow him on Instagram, not just his snooker, his fashion sense, he's got some great pictures in there. So, yeah, it's good to, yeah, we've got a, a genuine emerging star there, which is good. Uh, and, yeah, I'd like to see on the Journalist Player of the Year, I like to see what percentage it came in. I imagine it was very close um, between Ronnie and Neil. Uh, I voted for Neil, but again, like you, I would have happily voted for O'Sullivan as well. So yeah, nothing in between that really. And yeah, shout out to Wu Yizza. I think on our predictions uh, episode at the start of the season, he was my one to look out for. So I'm going to take Rookie of the Year. Although I think in reality, there were only about two or three actual rookies, so he didn't he didn't have much competition for rookie of the year. But he still got some great results, so fair play to him, and uh, hopefully he'll carry on progressing next season because uh, yeah, he's a great talent. And unfortunately, the, the only downside to Wu, I'd say, is he chopped his mullet off halfway through the season. I was really enjoying his mullet, so I'll I'll reprimand him for that. But otherwise, great player. Hair today, gone tomorrow, Phil Hay. Um, now. Just to say, though, you know, it strikes me, it's not criticism of, of us or, or what. I think we in the, me, in the media, and, and, and very much guilty as charged, I think we probably weight the World Championship even more than, than maybe fans or other people do. Because I've noticed that this happens a lot, that the winner of that puts them over the line in the vote. Again, maybe that's related to how much we all live and breathe that tournament a bit in the media and how much we love that venue and what have you. And uh, it's not the wrong thing, but I have noticed that, that that tends to happen. And, you know, I guess it, you know, it's a, it's right at the end of the season, but, but listen, as I say, it was so close between them. And again, it, when you see those awards, it makes you think, God, that was just a, a brilliant campaign, wasn't it? I mean, it had a bit of a funny start with that gap, of course, that, that weight generally down to COVID, but, on the whole, we have to say congratulations to World Snooker Tour, everyone involved with the game, to give us that kind of packed calendar. When, you know, I was helping out with some copy on the newspaper the other day, and some copy was in saying after the pandemic, and I did sort of raise it with a sports editor and said, actually, you know, it's the pandemic's going on. I think we agreed that people understand, I think it was kept as was because, you know, it, it means the general restrictions, and I do get that. But let's let's be honest, the pandemic was still raging, you know, in many ways, certainly at the start of the campaign. So let's be grateful again that we got such a full calendar. Very UK-based for obvious reasons, but, you know, we're lucky really as sort of writers and broadcasters and and all, all, the, all the fans and general fans of this sport, you know, to have so many events to enjoy, and it gave us a really special campaign. Yeah, it did. I mean, I don't, we don't need to like go back over the last season again. We did that quite thoroughly. But um, in a couple of those awards, it would have been nice actually for 
couple of those big shocks to get noticed. I mean, performance theatre, Ronnie, finally won the World Championships, can't really argue with that. A magic moment here to Neil, I, I assume that that was for the 147. So, yeah, I mean, they're great things to do, but maybe uh, Perry at the Welsh or Milkins in Gibraltar or Fan at the European, yeah, they, they could have snuck in there because, yeah, like you say, that last season was was brilliant, really. Um, you know, not perfect back to how we'd love it to be across the globe, but, uh, yeah, it was brilliant and threw up so many amazing stories. So, yeah, that would have been nice if, they, if one of those had got a little nod in there. But, yeah, you're right. Brilliant season. And, uh, hopefully, I don't know what we're going to expect from this one, really. You know, the, the calendar we've seen for the first half looks like it's going to be more of the same from last season. But fingers crossed, by the second half, we might be doing a bit more travelling around. Yeah, definitely. And maybe this is the time to, to mention that we have heard about a possible event in Hong Kong, haven't we? And I know it's you, you spoke to Jason Ferguson and... and, and it, got one of your very, very uh, thorough and much appreciated by all of us updates on everything to do with sort of where, where the game is right now. And I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it? We're desperate for the game to go back to, to Asia. I mean, currently, as I've read it, travel restrictions are pretty prohibitive still there. And you, you might need up to three weeks of quarantine. I mean, that, that would rule out any prospect of a serious event or anything really significant. That would need to be cut. But I think discussions are in place, maybe sports stars or you know can get a certain exemption but that would be wonderful wouldn't it you know if, we, if the prospect of going to the game going to hong kong place i've been to in my life very exciting place wonderful buzz about it special place would just be such a tonic wouldn't it absolutely yeah and um they've held the hong kong masters before and that that queen elizabeth stadium i think it's called there uh, gets rave reviews as like one of the greatest arenas players have played in so that would be great um and yeah, it, it would. They're openly talking about how it might happen, like Jason was telling me about it. So I feel like when they're sort of openly making, talking about discussions, and you're saying there's a broadcaster in place and stuff, I'm fairly confident it will happen, um, which would be great. Yeah, uh, the only shame for a lot of players is it's going to be like a small invitational. I'm not sure it would be eight or sixteen players, but it will it will only be a relatively small tournament in terms of um, participants. But yeah, it'd be great news. And they're going to Bangkok for the six reds in the first half of the season as well. So there are signs there that we're getting back uh, to travelling a bit. China's obviously the big one, not cracked that yet. But um, if we can back, get to Thailand and to Hong Kong, then it's, it's positive steps. Indeed. And, you know, we, we will. I see no reason, of course, to think why we won't have Turkey again. That's a multi-year deal. That was a big success. Because Berlin, of course, for a... a and now a much-loved event, the German Masters. So you're right. This season, I think, will look different in 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 sort of shape and and, and feel to the last one. And uh, and we look forward to it. Uh, still, uh, quite a few weeks away, of course, the new season. And uh, at the moment, we're gonna we're gonna fill our time here on on talking snooker. Well, doing what it says on the tin, Phil. Rabbiting <laughs> on about the game. Um. Well, a word about uh, new sponsors for the World Championship, Kazoo the online car retailer. This is a takeover of Snookerville. They already <laughs> sponsor the UK Championship, the Masters, the big ITV events. And they will now sponsor the biggest event of them all. And as others have been saying, you, you really can imagine it, the makeup of, of what we see on the screen and, and, and the visuals looking very different going forward. Um, let's say that um, Betfred were 
long-time sponsors, very good and popular sponsors of the World Championship. And it was um, you know, quite a sort of year with them bowing out, really. And it was always nice to see their team. And they put an awful lot into the tournament, no question about it. Great enthusiasm, great kind of, I think, sense of camaraderie they generated, certainly with mm. us, us in the media, always made everyone feel welcome and... And, uh, you know, it, it, it gave it a certain certain flavour, didn't it? I know Mark Pearson, heavily involved there, who always does a, a brilliant job, very charismatic character, isn't he? So a word for them uh, as we move forward into this new era with Kazoo. Um, people are obviously buying a lot of cars out there, Phil. Well, I hope they are. <laughs> there might have been a bit of bother. Um, yeah, I did speak to Jason about that as well. I sort of asked him if he thought it was, a, you know, it is a lot of eggs in one basket, isn't it, in terms of... Um, that company who have ploughed an awful lot in sponsorship, not just in snooker. You know, you see their name everywhere, and uh, that's clearly their business strategy. And hopefully, hopefully, it's working for them because, um, yeah, like you say, they're propping up a lot of tournaments at the minute. Um, but yeah, Jason was uh, Ferguson was. Um, he said it wasn't. It's not like they're the only game in town. He said they had a lot of offers. They had more more potential sponsors on the table than tournaments. So you know, it's, it seems like they were just the best offer. So great. Um, and hopefully that'll be long and successful. Um, and if they're, I guess it'd be nice to have a bit more diversity just to make tournaments look different, I suppose. But yeah, I'm not complaining as long as we've got uh, title sponsors in. Um, but yeah, definitely worth a shout out to Betfred. Um, they were brilliant for the for the tournament, uh, for the sport for a long time. And yeah, I mean, just this will be stuff that people won't see. Um, but in the press room, just having those guys around, very positive, very energetic. Um, making the place a lot livelier and more fun. Uh, Mark Pearson, um, very much at the head of that. Um, and he told me there he listened to the podcast. So if he's listening now, shout out to Mark. Um, but yeah, they, they, were, they did great stuff. And Jason said that as well, actually, that um, a lot of the money they put forward isn't just for the World Championship. It's used for grassroots snooker and stuff through the WPBSA. So yeah, they've been a very positive influence on the sport. So thanks to them. But um he also said, I did ask if it was sort of part of, you know, I think everyone's aware that there might be some sort of limitation or if not ban on betting sponsors in sport coming in at some stage. So he said it wasn't due to that, 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 that about the change, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't in people's minds at, at some level. I didn't entirely buy that. Uh, yeah. I can understand why he would, he would say that, that, but I think we, we all know, don't we really, <laughs> a little bit like it. You know, back in the back in the day when when you know tobacco sponsorship had to end, I think we know the direction it's going in. I think you know there's a there's a sort of probably a conscious effort, not not just in this sport but in others too, to sort of think of a time when it might not be possible at all to have betting sponsorship. So I think that's yeah, I think you're you're yeah. right. To sort of uh, you know say as you did there, maybe a nice way of saying it. You, Ooh, the first of the season. First of a few, possibly. Um, <laughs> now, we've heard about possible plans for a Crucible 2, a new building over the road from that, that iconic theatre, possibly with a bridge linking the two. I know that the aforementioned Jason Ferguson has told you, uh, Phil, that he's met with Sheffield City Council and the architect James Burland, who worked on uh, Manchester City's stadium, has shown off potential designs of the new building, which we've seen in news reports. And obviously, you know, it, it, it certainly looks very impressive. Uh, awful long way before we could think of that becoming a reality. And, and Barry Hearn said on the World Snooker Tour podcast, 
you know, the, a, a different idea. Frankly, he wants a new building to be built on the site of the crucible. So, you know, the, the, the bottom line is, you know, it's early days, but it just seems like the way we're going, that we are potentially looking at some Sheffield changes a few years down the line. Um, I'm a, I feel, I find myself being a bit re- regretful and saddened to think that we're going to have to, you know, if we're going to have every year now, the 23 championship, 24, 25, dominated by talk of what happens with the future. I, I find that a bit of a, a disappointing prospect, but I think, you know, putting all the evidence together and everything we're hearing that I think the people, those in the sport are probably now looking at, at change. I can't, put it this way, I'd be surprised if in 10 years time from now, maybe when I'll be surprised, I probably would be surprised if the World Championship in 10 years time was at the crucible as we know it now with no changes. Yeah, it does seem like that's the way the wind is blowing to an extent. But I mean, the positive thing is it that the focus does seem to be staying not just in Sheffield, but very much in the same place, the same location. So that's good news. It, it strikes me that, you know, all the talk of building that new place and a bridge across, you know, that's a huge amount of effort. Could, could they not just make that room bigger? <laughs> I don't know, I'm not an architect, clearly. But, you know, that could you not just expand the, the where it's literally where it is now and just sort of sacrifice other bits of the crucible to move it around a bit maybe you can't um, that sounds too straightforward or else maybe they'd have done it but um it sounds a lot easier than some of those plans but yeah they're interesting stuff i mean that that plan with the bridge and uh turning what was the roxy disco into sort of a cru- uh, a massive snooker arena and museum and things it's mad really but it was quite exciting it was pretty cool um but we'll see um it's a long it's a long way off even being agreed, never mind starting on or anything. But yeah, uh, I agree with you. I know we're sort of part of this. I write a lot of articles about this, so I'm sort of to blame to an extent. But uh, yeah, the idea we're just going to be talking about this for the next five years is not a great prospect. But um, yeah, it's got it's got to be done, hasn't it? I mean, if that's what if that's what seems like it's going to happen, there's going to be some change. So hopefully, that can be agreed relatively soon, and we just know what's going to happen rather than the the endless debate about it but yeah those plans were exciting no doubt about that they were interesting how that could work I mean that in a tournament with two venues it's gonna be very odd playing in in what would be completely different rooms wouldn't they one would be three times the size of the other and presumably create different conditions and stuff so yeah a lot of working out to be done (laughs) with people pay a, a number of pay grades above ours I'd imagine Nearly everyone's on a higher pay grade than us, uh, Phil. Um, it would be very snooker, wouldn't it, if there was a tournament built on the site of the Royal Roxy Disco. That is, <laughs> in, said with great affection, that's very that's very snooker. The last memory I pretty much have of, of us two together in person was me literally joining you for the conga. It was me and you, you know, in the line together, to, flying the flag for talking snooker. <laughs> about three in the morning yeah we um brilliant it was good <laughs> i'm trying to remember who's in front of me and i can't but that's probably the beers that i've been drinking more than a knock on them <laughs> probably judge trump wasn't it or something it was that kind of night <laughs> brilliant so we move on and 
as Phil rightly said at the top, there's quite a lot going on. Not necessarily stuff we can see a lot of, but um, th- th- there is important action. Just to say, Phil, you have been at Q School and we'll hear all about that. And, it, and we, we are excited to hear. I have never been to that event, so I'd love to hear a bit more about it. Your experience of going there. I know you were telling me a few things before we came on air and it just sounds, you know, fascinating what, you, what, you, what you're going to tell us. But first of all, from Q School event one then, uh, well, the players that won two-year tour cards were Bai Lang Ning, Rod Lawler, Andy Lee, and Fergal O'Brien. Um, let's let me run through the results for you from the, the last 16 onwards for that, so to give you a bit more detail. Uh, the results there were Bai Lang Ning for Leo Fernandez, one, Fergal O'Brien for Ross Muir, two, Brandon Sargent for Harvey Chandler, two, Andy Lee for Daniel Wormersley, one. Luke Simmons for Aaron Hill, three. Rory McLeod for Zhao Jambo, one. Sonia Carney for Florian Nuble, three. Rod Lawler for Lucas Kleckers, one. And then in the decisive last eight matches, by landing for Sonia Carney, three. Rod Lawler for Brandon Sargent, three. Andy Lee for Luke Simmons, two. And Fergal O'Brien for Rory McLeod, one. Well, we'll come to event two shortly. But I think it's important to say that the makeup of the the uh, quadruple uh, was very different from the two events. I mean, the you know two players age fifty in Fergal O'Brien and Rod Law, Andy Lee forty one, so an awful lot of experience there, and that's going to come to the fore, isn't it? In Q School, Phil, that's obvious. These guys are used to tournament conditions; they're used to those sort of multi-table sort of rooms and. You know, it's not always going to work out. We get exciting new players coming through, but an awful lot of times we get the guys that battle hard and been there and done it, and they'll be successful in that format. Yeah, and uh, speaking to a few players that have come through or just played there, it sounds like, and you can see just from sort of looking at frame scores even, but the games are not of the free-flowing, high-quality break-building types, no matter who is in them. they Everyone's so nervous and playing not to lose not taking too many risks. It's a lot of sort of takes what's there and then play safe again. And it's the experienced battle-hardened older players generally that are good at that, um, that come through it because that's what, that seems to be how so many of the games deteriorate into really. Um, you see very few centuries made up overall really. Um, and these are all players that are very much capable. It's not because they're terrible players. It's just that's what happens. So, yeah, these guys that know how to slug it out and get into the trenches, uh, they're the guys that come through. And definitely that showed through it in event one. Apart from Bai Lang Ning, he's only 20. Um, he's a very bright, talented young player. But he had two players in the 50s straightaways is uh, funny. Uh, yeah, Andy, Andy Lee, I guess people wouldn't have necessarily thought he was 41 because he, he's... Been on tour a couple of times before, but uh, yeah, he's of the experienced type as well. Um, I actually spoke to him after he came through, so I've got a piece coming up uh, today, probably We're talking on Sunday, but certainly this week. Um, so he's got an interesting journey because he's been playing out in Hong Kong as sort of, and they're employed by the uh, the Hong Kong Sports Institute, so they're on a salary to play, um, which is a whole different uh, experience to a lot of the players over here. Obviously, we talk a lot about you know. Uh, first people needing first round expenses and stuff because you go ages without earning any money but those guys in Hong Kong don't have that pressure but it's a whole different sort of journey so it was interesting to speak to him but yeah he he said that himself though it's very much about 
getting stuck in, not expecting any fluency. And I think those guys who know that's going to be like that. So you, I guess the younger players who hope for something better and can be frustrated when games turn out like that. Whereas if you go in knowing what it's going to be like, ready to dig in, then yeah, those are the guys that do well. No, indeed. And, you know, we not just this year, nearly every year, we see that so many experienced players will gone through. Of course, Fergal O'Brien, we know so well, former Masters finalist, former ranking event winner, a pro since 1991. Got some quotes from him here, actually. He says, it's a tough week. If you don't get through the first event here, the pressure is only going to build. I'm really proud of the way I battled for everything and kept a good attitude. A couple of weeks ago, I wasn't even sure whether I would play in Q school. If I was going to play, I was going to give it everything. I don't see myself playing more than two more years and I plan to play a limited schedule. Over the last couple of years, I've been chasing points and haven't always enjoyed it. That frees me up to choose the tournaments I want to play and take more breaks. So he's um, straight back on tour. Rod Lawler back after one year away. Former ranking event finalist, uh, Rod, and uh, many times over a tournament winner turned pro in 1990. He says, I'm really delighted to be back on tour. I can't give up the enjoyment of the battle. That's what I've really missed over the past year. I'm coming towards the end of my career, so I have to embrace the next two years and enjoy it. And we got a real first-hand taste of that when Peter Lyons joined us last year. And it might sound obvious, but he, I think he, he really crystallised it quite well, Rod Lawler, in those quotes. I just missed the bloody battle and that. And being in there, you mentioned that word trenches. That's the thing they miss. And Anthony Hamilton sort of talked about that very, very eloquently with us that well, about Hendry, actually. He said that I was, it always stuck with me seeing how nervous Hendry was before that first came back. And I think Hendry was even surprised by, wow, this is... But Hamilton was saying that's what he'd have missed. And that's what these guys, if they fall off tour, miss because they know nothing else, really. Certainly for their adult lives, someone like Rod, Rod Lawler. And he just... It's like a drug, isn't it? It's like a drug. Yeah, and it's stuff you can't replicate elsewhere. You know, these guys... Yeah, they'll do coaching or whatever, I guess, or they'll take up something entirely. Or that, you know, hopefully some of them will be in places where they can just retire and give up working completely. But whatever comes next won't won't provide that sort of buzz um, that you get from professional sport, really. Um, so yeah, they will miss that at whatever level. You know, even if you're scraping around in the cubicles in round one, nowhere near TV, that's the kind of thing you'll get down on while you're playing. But as soon as it's gone away, they'll miss it. So. Yeah, great work to get back on. It can't be easy taking a year off when you're sort of in your 50s and then being able to get back and compete with these guys who are all much younger than them. Um, but well played. Yeah, well, everyone who comes through. You can sort of, there's this debate about, you know, is it good that these older players come through or not? You know, we can have that debate definitely, but they've deserved it. It's very difficult to get through that. So fair play to them. It's interesting those quotes from Fergal because he sort of changed his tune a bit because... It was, I, that interview I did with him a couple of years ago, was it a year ago? But yeah. that was that quote that has flown around a bit when he went through this because he said he, was, he told me, "Oh, you'll know when I'll be when I'm retired because I'll be dead." But he seems to now uh, be sort of winding down. He says this last two years, so um, he's not quite planning on playing till he till he passes away now. Um, but he sounds like he's uh, looking forward to these two years and just playing when he wants to. Yeah, and I wonder whether it's. It's just the grind. I wonder whether he has actually changed his own mind in that time. It wouldn't be at all surprised. And it makes me think of Alan McManus, actually, where we all, we always say that when he retired, there was no sort of doubt in Alan's mind. It was like, nah, it's getting a bit a bit tougher now. And I think it's at the right time. And 
maybe those guys, you know, and but it feels maybe like it might be a last hurrah for Rod Lawler as well. But that might free them up. Some of those older guys, you know, might have a, might have some good runs, knowing that you know it's sort of now or never, and this is the you know almost a, a farewell tour for the next couple of years. So I think we'll see about that. Andy Lee. Uh, says as well, I've got some quotes from here. He says, it's disbelief I'm shocked to have got through. When COVID hit in 2020, I went back to Hong Kong and couldn't come back to the UK. So I haven't been playing to any kind of elite level over the last two years. I have practiced occasionally with Marco Fu, which has really helped. The last round of Q School is the worst match that any snooker player can be involved in. There is so much at stake, it's all or nothing. And then, uh, as we said, by landing with the other, the other player to come through, uh, relegated off the tour last year. But we still saw him at a lot of events, actually, during the season, just gone as a top-up. So he's obviously, you know, very, very much the one that sticks out as being only 20 from those players. Still got a lot of years left, clearly, to make his mark in the game. But, yeah, Andy Lee... You know, saying it all there. We've got some great quotes actually from the from the from the second, particularly one of the players coming through from event two. You know, we can talk about Judgment Day. That that's up there, or you know, or you know, trying to think of other ones. Those early rounds of the UK, which which you've written very well about, which could be so crucial in terms of defining how a player's season goes and their future. But you know, maybe this is well, we'll take it for the players. Maybe this is the most nightmare of all in a way. This is the most at stake of all, probably. Well, I think that's, yeah, possibly, because Andy said that to me, and it's something obvious when you think about it, but I hadn't considered it really. It literally is all on a thing, because usually if you win a few games in any other tournament, you'll take home a bit of money. And, you know, if you lose wherever, other than the first round, you know, that's, you know, that'll cheer you up. You've got a couple of grand or whatever. But it is all, if you win, if you lose first round or if you lose in the final round, it makes no difference. You go back to the start of the next event. Um, so, yeah, those. Losing in the in the final round, especially like a deciding frame or wh- whatever, and then just think, well, I've got nothing for that. I just need to go straight back to the next event and start again. Um, pretty appalling, <laughs> really, like really grim. Um, so yeah, I can see why he says that. Um, and yeah, the sense of relief to do it, especially those guys came around, came through the first one. Um, yeah, they they were just thrilled to be there and <laughs> to, to not have to go through that again. Um, and I think it's almost sort of the prospect of it's such a horrible thing for players. I asked, we'll come to this next one, but I asked a player who came through in event two. I said, oh, if, if, if this is, if it's sort of, if it's becoming more and more likely um, towards the end of a season, you're going to Q school, is that sort of a prospect in your mind? And he said, as soon as he got through on last time through Q school, it was, it never left his mind that he never wanted to be there again. So it's, it's all this weird sort of spectre on the horizon for a lot of players, but uh, yeah, so that's why it's so impressive when you get through it because uh, no one wants to be there. No, indeed. No, you said it all there. And maybe I'll let you uh, continue to talk then because you were at the climax of Q School Event 2. And I-, I can't wait for you to tell all of us a bit more about it and-, and-, and tell us the players that made it through. It just sounds like, I know you've been around the block and seen so much in snooker now, but it... It just sounds like you really get a sense as soon as you walk in there with the tension. Is that right? Yeah, it's a funny old place at Ponds Forge. Um, 
it's a swimming bath, really, and the whole place is a lot of trampolines knocking about the place. But you go up to the top floor, and then they've got these four tables, well, eight tables, but they had four tables for final day. Um, handful of people in, you can go in and watch. So there are, there are a handful of players, what uh, of audience members watching on. But yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just dead quiet. It's a stupid place. So they're all, they all seem tense because of the silence, but you know how much is on the line. Um, so yeah, I spoke to the four guys that came through, which was Zach Surety, Aaron Hill, Sanderson Lamb, and Adam Duffy. And yeah, it's, it's funny speaking to the winners because it's huge for them. It's it's a brilliant prize of two years on tour. But I wouldn't say they were buzzing. It was just relief to get it done. And a couple of them, especially, it was there's it sort of caught in half half mind because. Adam Duffy had beaten Daniel Wells in his decider and Sanderson Lamb had beaten Stephen Hallworth in his decider. And those guys are, are good mates with uh, with the guys they'd beaten. So, yes, you've won two years on tour, but you know you've just denied a good pal two years on tour as well. So it's really hard for these guys. Um, and Duffy told me he was off to Daniel Wells' wedding next week. So he wasn't sure if he'd still get the invite, but I'm sure he will, but we'll see. But, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got... Oh dear, I've got I've got you know visions of. I'm sorry, mate. I, we got we. I made a mistake with the numbers. I thought you were invited. <laughs> yeah, just crossed off on the table plan. But yeah, we'll see. Um, and yeah, I know Sanderson said that. I mean, uh, that was a great game he had against Holworth. Sanderson was three one up. Then Stephen made breaks ninety two and seventy seven to take a decider. Then was up in the decider. And Sanderson made a break of 60, I think it was, to, to win it. So that was a great game. That was um, one of the more high-quality ones. Um, but certainly, he was back on tour for the first time since 2019, so delighted. But he wasn't beaming or anything. It was just a sense of relief, and but also felt bad for his mate. So, yeah, it's tough. Um, the, what the guy I was talking about before was Zach Surety, who was uh, saying how it's just been on his mind for two years, like the prospect of coming back here. and. Uh, he was saying he's so nerve wracking. Uh, he couldn't hold. He could barely like drink his water because his hand was shaking too much. He couldn't put it down. Put the little plastic cup back down where it had come from. Um, and he's just trying to just just do enough. And he said, if if his opponent had been playing well, um, he never would have won. But everyone's in the same boat. I think that's what they. He was saying you have to remind yourself that everyone feels as bad as each other. So as bad as you feel. You just got to take solace that the other guy is also struggling to pick up his cup of water as well, um, and that's just the the brutality of it. I think Aaron Hill was the guy who played best. Um, he beat Zhao Jinbao four one in that final round, and he was uh, he was talking very impressively. He's still um, he's only twenty, still one of the brightest young talents in the game, and he sounds like he has used the experience the first few years and dropping off and coming back straight on. He said it's the best thing that could have happened to him. It's refocused his mind. He's worked really hard, played well to come through. And he was talking very confidently that he still has high hopes to go to right at the top of the game. Um, and he's certainly talented enough to do that. We saw that. I think it was his first game as professional that he beat Ron O'Sullivan in a deciding frame. So he's proved what he can do. Um, and hopefully he'll be here in a couple of years when we always talk about the players that had to go to Q school and, you know, Jarajintong, Gilbert, people like that. Hopefully he'll be another one of those thinking like, ah, oh, how did he ever drop off tour? Because um, he's because he's certainly very very good. Yeah, no, you do, you do, you definitely do get players like that, don't you? There's still an awful lot of you know talk around about how good Aaron Hill can can come, and 
in the funny, I mean, he 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 never swapped beating Ronnie in that match, but in in some sort of ways that could be a bit of a millstone. That feels like that's all we've been talking about a little bit with, yeah. with him. And, and but you know, he, he's got plenty of time to push on. Of course, he has. Let's look at the results then from the last 16 onwards of, of, of Q School event two. It was um, Ben Mertens four, Liam Davis one, Aaron Hill four, Kuldesh Jahal nil, Stephen Hallworth four, Peter Devlin one, Sanderson Lam four, Kurt Mafflin three, uh, Zhao Jambo four, Chris Totten two, Adam Duffy four, Michael Giorgio two, Daniel Wells four, Ross Bullman three, Zach Surti four, Rodney Goggins, three, and then the decisive uh, last eight matches of Q School event two, uh, Adam Duffy, four, Daniel Wells, three, Sanderson Lum, four, Stephen Hallworth, three, really good matches you pointed out there, Phil, probably the best in terms of quality of the matches, Aaron Hill, four, Xiao Jambo, one, and Zach Surti, four, Ben Mertens, two, and yeah, I loved, I mean, you you touched on all of there, but but I love the, the sort of quotes, particularly from Duffy, you know, about uh, his good friend Daniel Wells off to his wedding next week. And yeah, Aaron Hill, I, I, I was struck by that as well. He said, still aiming for the top of the game, 100%. He says, I won't let those people down. The people that are stuck with me, they know what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of. So really, um, you know, he, he still has, you know, really big ambitions. You know, I was taken by Zach, Zach Cersei as well. I, I thought he was almost the most engaging talker of all the ones I saw, really. Just, you know, you know, I was jelly, he says, you know, I, I need you, Ben, to, to feel how he did because I, I, I was jelly. Um, yeah, and he says that everyone's around sweating and shaking. I can't even hold a cup of water out there. They gave you plastic cups and it's falling over. It's like, what am I doing? That's that, that's great stuff. Stuart Bingham spoke to me about, about him a couple of times, actually. They're from the same parish, aren't they? They're, they're from both from Basildon. Yeah. And, and but... I was surprised that Cersei was 30, you know. It, it, you know, he, he, a few more years older than I would have sort of guessed. I mean, whenever I talked, the, the last time I, I spoke to Stuart Bingham about him might have been before the 2020 UK, so obviously about 18 months or so ago. And he was sort of still talking about Cersei being kind of raw, and you sort of think, at this stage, you know, you, you don't, don't want to quite be hearing words like that. But you never know. He's obviously got the ingredients there. It's just about sort of, you know, doing it more consistently, but it's hard to do it more consistently. There's so many great players around, Phil. That's the problem they've all got. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he, I've got a piece coming up with him, actually. He spoke very interestingly about sort of struggles he's had on tour and just, I mean, this he's not on his own here, but just a complete failure to replicate how good you are in practice on the main table. And that's what all these guys low down in the rankings are. They're all amazing players, not all, but the vast majority of them are very, very, very good players. And they just can't, replicate it when they need to or on a, certainly on a consistent basis and that's the key that the guys near the top can do um and yeah he certainly just struggled with that because you know we he's one of those guys you see his name around in results but he very rarely goes past the first or second round does he but he clearly has got the game to be able to do that when it if he can get it out there so hopefully knowing that he's got two more years he doesn't have to worry about q school for a while yet um he can focus on uh on playing his best and uh yeah, because he does practice with Bingham a lot. And he was saying that, you know, he it's not like he bashes up Stuart Bingham all the time in practice, but he certainly competes with him and wins sets off him and uh, whatever they play. Um, so he knows that he can do it. Uh, so hopefully he'll, he'll be able to show it now because, yeah, I enjoyed speaking. That's the first time I met Zach. I enjoyed speaking to him. He was an interesting character. So uh, hopefully we'll see and hear a bit more of him in, in the future. 
Yeah, indeed. And uh, we now know the eight players that have, that have come through the first two events of Q School and uh, an event and event three still to come. So we're, we're a bit more drama yet, Phil. And of course, in many ways, event three is kind of the, the in some ways, the most exciting of all, isn't it? Yeah, and some really big names floating about still in there. You know, a couple of the guys who, you know, anyone was saying, oh, he'll definitely get through at the start. It just hasn't really followed Q School before. But um, a couple of the favourites with the bookies, you know, Holt and Mafflin, Martin O'Donnell, Sonny Akani, all these players are still knocking about, um, hoping hoping to get through. And all the, all the sort of recognisable names, there's too many in there to get through from this last one. So there's going to be some... Um, as I say, some recognisable names who won't be on tour next season, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It's going to get very, very tense. So it finishes on Thursday, doesn't it? Um, I'm hoping to get back down there again, but there's going to be some very, very relieved people the last for Final Four that come through that. Um, and some really devastated people who will, you know, that's at least a year, they'll, they'll not be on the pro circuit. And thankfully, sort of the amateur scene has sort of come back a bit after COVID. So there are there will be plenty of things for players to play in if they're not on the pro tour. But you know, if it is one of those guys that we just that I just mentioned that had been on for a long time, you know, it's going to be a hard one to take. Definitely, definitely will be. So a reminder then from event one by landing Rod Lawler, Andy Lee, and Fergal O'Brien. And from Q School event two, Adam Duffy, Sanderson Lam, Aaron Hill and Zach Surti. So let's move on and give you another news line then. And that is that Jamie O'Neill has been suspended from playing until August after he arrived for a match drunk, made inappropriate comments and gestures to female members of staff, and then played under the influence of alcohol during Northern Ireland Open qualifying in Leicester uh, last year. He's also been fined uh, £1,500 and has to pay 3200 in costs. So, I mean, he's he's treading over the line a few times, actually, um, Jamie O'Neill. So, you know, it's it, it's unfortunately becoming a trend. And obviously, you know, we won't see him in action for the first couple of months of the season. Phil, I feel like we've updated people pretty well on what has been a sort of that hybrid period of the season ending the new one kicking into gear. And we got a lot of chat to come in, in in the weeks to come. Rob Walker with us next time. I mean, goodness me. What what have you got set up? You know, you've got chores around the house, you know, you know, meetings to set up. We'll just maybe say, Rob, take it away, mate. We'll leave, we'll, we'll leave you there for maybe an hour or so. We'll go off and do some chores. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's occasionally labelled Rob the Talker Walker, and I think that's what we can expect from him in this one. Uh, yeah, great storyteller. So that'll be a, that'll be a very good one. So be sure to tune into that. I'm sure everyone's been very very accustomed to seeing Rob on the TV, and uh, he does some writing. He does all sorts in the game now with commentary, of course. Um, so yeah, it'd be great to have him on. Um, the one other thing I would give a shout out for this uh, this as you call it the hybrid period. We had the Q Tour playoff, which. And that was actually before Q School started, and that was uh, that was won by the exciting Belgian teenager Julian Leclerc, who I've not seen loads of. To be fair, um, I don't think anyone will have seen loads of him, um, but he's very highly rated, um, and he he did very well coming through that. It'd be Alfie Lee, uh, Michael Giorgio, Harvey Chandler, and then Alex Clenshaw had done very well to get to the final of that five two in the final. So yeah, nineteen year old Belgian lad. Um, 
he's going to be a good addition to the tour next season. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to see him play. I've heard, heard some good things about him. So, yeah, that's another... That's a, the opposite of what we were saying before about the older guys coming through. That Q Tour seemed to bring a lot more sort of younger younger talents in, together. So hopefully that'll happen again next season. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing Leclerc play. Well, he beat some handy players there for Sean. Any any part regions and parts that 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 are you know not underrepresented because you know what are you comparing it to? But but maybe we want more representation from is brilliant and sort of obviously mainland Europe is definitely one of those. So we certainly welcome that and we'll look forward to to, to seeing his progress. Belgium would be really a bit of a hot because Ben Mertens got to the final round when I was there on Q School too, and uh, he's still only 17. He seems like he's been around for ages because he was wow. playing matches in the programme he was like 13. Mm. Um, he's had some horrible defeats for such a young kid. Um, he, he was sort of 5-1 up in World Championship qualifying a couple of years ago and lost 6-5. So I hope the game's sort of not like kicking <laughs> kicking him too much at such a young age. Um, again, a loss in the last, game, uh, last day of Q School would have hurt. But... Um, you know, if he could come through in the Q School 3 and we get Leclerc and Mertens and, of course, Lucas already on there, then Belgium could become um, a nice little hotbed there. Hopefully get a tournament over there. That'd be nice. Well, there's there's lots of talk, isn't there? Talk that I welcome about uh, team events and, you know, wh- whether it can it can work. I think it, sh- it should work and I think it's something Snooker should do. But i tell you what, Belgium might have quite a handy team, wouldn't they? England v Belgium could be an interesting... Uh, clash feeling, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of exciting attacking young players. You know, they won't, they might not be the most consistent, but they certainly have a go at people on their day. That's for sure. Um, yeah, and they're, yeah, they're, I, there's been these murmurs. I don't actually know too much about this sort of rumored team event, but uh, it just sounds like something's brewing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of things are always brewing in the snooker world. Um, so, Bob Walker coming up next, and we have. Uh, got, we'll tell you more next time about uh, some of the other, other guests we got we got coming up. And constantly beavering away, and we, we really do hope to bring you, you know, two or three very sort of top-level special people in this sport in the next sort of, say, couple of months. So loads of entertainment to come. Keep your thoughts coming to us. Email talkingsnook at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. Bit of a backlog, still quite a lot of correspondence in and around the World Championship. We'll tackle all that in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you for your very detailed emails, your interesting thoughts and opinions on the game. And we're coming in at under an hour, Phil Haig. What about that? <laughs> I think we've, done quite well. we've covered quite a lot in an hour. That's uh, unlike us to be doing uh, quite brief, really. But yeah, I suppose that's the summer period for it. I think we did about the same length for the first one back last year. So it's obviously, yeah, we could, it's nice actually now, isn't it? We're getting just that bit of history now with the pod that we can reflect on doing things for the second time. And it's like, you know, I wouldn't, uh, yeah, still learning on the job, always learning on the job, but, but we're, we're sort of getting into that pattern where we remember oh, we did that last time. Maybe we can get a bit better and uh, hopefully not get a bit worse ever. Yeah, let's hope for that. At least, at least stay the same, if not improve. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it just feel like there's a lot been going on. It's a strange one. Just I don't think I've seen much snooker apart from you know, there are there are a few sort of Chinese streams knocking about of the of Q school that are uh, hit and miss, to say the least. But um, yeah, it's, it's a weird sort of it's just bubbling away in the background. But yeah, um, Q school ending this week. 
It's going to, and then we've got the World Games. That's an interesting one. I'm not sure if we'll be able to watch that, but that's going to be in July. So there is there is very few actual breaks on the snooker circuit, but um, we'll we'll keep you entertained hopefully while while it's sort of as I say simmering or simmering away in the background. Your talk of Chinese streams reminds me that um, I've shamelessly used that gag about dodgy podcast providers about a dozen times now. So listen, just to say it again. We are available from all the major podcast providers, Apple, Spotify, but don't worry, we always make sure the dodgy ones get it too. The ones that are barely legal, the really sort of, ugh, you know, you know, funny ones, they get it, don't they, Phil? So don't worry. They do, yeah. I think that's the one I use, actually. <laughs> great face from you then. A great, okay, that's enough from you now, Nick Face. Um <laughs> Goodbye. We'll be back next time. We will, yeah. Always a pleasure. Great to be back. Uh, I hope we've not come back too early. I hope everyone's rested and relaxed since the super season's ended. So, yeah, good to be back. Thanks for being on board, as always. Great to see you, Phil. Rob Walker coming next time. Keep your thoughts coming to us, and thank you for your company on this first episode back of a very long new season for us. For now, I'm Phil and myself. Cheerio. Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.